but you're here tonight, and I'm looking forward to continuing this series that God has led us to. Uh, let's look again in 2 Samuel chapter number 11 tonight, and uh, I'm not going to read what I read this morning. Instead, I'm going to read some other uh, scriptures and finish this chapter out if I could. And so we left off, I believe, in verse number 13, um, or somewhere around there, maybe maybe verse 17, okay. Uh, yes, we left, yes, we left off in verse 17 where Uriah the Hittite died. Of course, we understand that Uriah died by the hand of David. David sent a letter uh, to uh, with Uriah, and uh, he said, go down and give this letter to Joab. And in that letter, Uriah wrote his own death wish. It said, put him in the hottest battle and leave him there, is basically what it said, that he would die so David could cover up his sin. And then in verse number 18, we begin tonight, and we'll read this. The Bible said, Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, he charged the messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling the matters of the war unto the king, and if so be that the king's wrath arise, and he say unto thee, Wherefore approach ye so nigh unto the city when ye did fight, knew ye not that they would shoot from the wall? Who smote Abimelech, the son of Jerusalem? Did not a woman cast a piece of a millstone upon him from the wall that he died in Thebes? Why went ye nigh the wall? Then say thou that uh, then say thou thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and showed David all that Joab had sent him for. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out unto us even unto the field, and we were upon them even unto the entering of the gate. And the shooter shot from the wall upon thy servants and some of the, the king's servants be dead, and thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messenger, And thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thou him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband, and when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife, and they bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. I want to say this before we go any further. It does not matter who supported or did not support, or who was pleased or displeased with any of this. One person mattered, and that's the Lord, and he was displeased. And so if God will help me again tonight, I want to continue on through this thought and I really believe it to be challenging and convicting and really charging to any saint of God. And I want to preach for a little while, continue on, on the magnitude of a moment. The magnitude of a moment. Please pray with me and for me here tonight. Father, we do love you and we thank you, Lord for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you, dear God, for the privilege to stand. Lord, I'm unworthy. Uh, God, in my flesh, Lord, I am a wicked, sinful man. Uh, but God, you knew that 2,000 years ago when you died on Calvary. Lord, before the foundations of the world, you knew who I was, and still yet you loved me, and you saved me, and now you've called me. And Lord, you've put me into the ministry. And so, Lord, I'm asking you, despite me, God, that you would... Uh, speak to me tonight and through me, Lord. Help me to reveal the truths to this flock, Lord, that you've revealed to me. 
And God, help me to feed them, Lord. I, I don't want to give them scraps or leftovers or crumbs. But God, I want them to go out of here, uh, Lord, full and, and knowing and knowledge and growing in knowledge, Lord, that uh, we could see the mistakes sometimes of others within the Word of God. And Lord, prepare our hearts, our minds, our lives to avoid making some of those same mistakes. Help us now. Give me power and unction. And Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name and for His sake. And all the Lord's people said... Amen and amen. Again, this is the saddest, one of the saddest examples, one of the saddest stories, in my opinion, in all the Bible, concerning a good man being caught up in a bad moment. Can I say that we don't have time to reread everything? It would take us another hour. But if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 16 all the way till uh, our text tonight in 2 Samuel chapter 11, you'll find that David has done God nothing but good. You'll find amongst David's brethren there were seven others and they all seemed to uh, meet the standard, if you will, of what the world would consider a man to be in order to be king, but the Bible sent Samuel to Jesse's house and told him, said, the, the, the next king of Israel's down there and I want you to go down there. I'll tell you who he is. You'll know as soon as you see him. And so the Bible said that all of David's brethren come in and go out and boy, they look the part, act the part, smell the part, been trained to be the part, but God didn't put his hand or his finger on none of them. And uh, all of a sudden, Samuel realizes I've not found a king. And so he asked Jesse, he says, this all you got? And he said, well, I do have one more. Uh, he's the youngest of all. He's the runt of the litter. He's outside somewhere tending to my sheep. He, he's just a shepherd. Ain't much to him. He's ruddy and ain't real good to look at. He, he got much to offer uh, Preacher Samuel. But if you, if you insist, we'll send for him. And sure enough, they called for David. Then walked David and God said, right there he is, Samuel. That's my man. That's who I want uh, to be anointed king. King of Israel. And so Samuel tells Jesse and all of his brethren, it's him, it's David. And boy, they can't hardly believe it. They think this preacher surely made a mistake. But as time goes on, guess what David's life proves? That God had surely in fact picked him out, set him apart, anointed him not just to be king, but he anointed him to be a giant killer. I need somebody to help me preach. He anointed him to be a giant killer. He anointed him to be a good shepherd. He anointed him to be a psalmist and a heart player. He was anointed and favored by God to the point that he was a man after God's own heart. I'm talking about this is a man that each of you and me would look at and say if I could be like anybody in the church, if my life could be a replica of anybody's life, I want it to be like King David's. This is no fly by night half hearted lukewarm Christian. This is a good man a godly man, a strong man, a spiritually strong man. It may look weak to the eyes of men, but in the eyes of God. The Bible said that God did not look on the outward appearance of David, but rather looked on the heart, and God seen exactly what he needed in the life of David to fulfill his own will on this earth. And so we read this, we study David's life, and we find that he's a good man, he's a great man, all the way till 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and we read it this morning and discussed it what happens well it's the time verse 1 and 2 it said and it was at that time that kings go forth to battle that particular time that 
particular moment. In verse number two, it said, and it was uh, 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 in an and singular evening time. One evening, one moment. It was one time uh, they were crossing over. It was the time of year. The year, the year was coming to an end. And it was the time that kings go forth to battle. Uh, but you know the story. David looked around and I believe he said something like this. I believe, boys, uh, if there's any king that can set this one out, it's probably me. If you've read with us what we read on Wednesday night, I'm going to tell you something. David had a lot of notches on his belt. He had flat out killed the enemies of God, starting with Goliath of Gath, and the rest was history. If they even looked at God wrong, David could walk in town and slay them, take whatever good they had, and they were using for bad, turn the same stuff around, those resources of the enemy, and make them prosper for the good of Almighty God. This is who David was. And uh, man, he's a man. He's a man's man. He's God's man. But in 2 Samuel chapter number 11, all he is is a man at best. And I came to tell you tonight, and listen, it does not matter who it is. Uh, I'm looking at a room full of people. I believe so, most of y'all, hopefully, everybody's pretty good people. I think I'm looking at some pretty good Christians. I, I really believe some of y'all try. I think some of y'all could try a lot more. Somebody say amen. But I, I believe that I'm dealing with some pretty genuine uh, sincere Christian people tonight but I would dare say nobody here has the testimony of David nobody here has uh, uh, can stand up and say that God has chosen me out of the whole world to be king of Israel nobody here can look and say God uh, has used me to take down the, the, the greatest enemy against God's people Goliath uh, nobody here slayed a lion and a bear Nobody here's done right when Saul tried to take away our life and do us wrong. And David did all these things, but he had one bad moment. Second right. Samuel chapter number 11. And he did not go forth to battle when he should have. Yeah. And he did not follow the orders of his commander in chief. Yeah. He was very quick to tell his servants what to do, but he was not willing to be a servant. At this moment. Well it's alright if I take a week off. That's all the devil needs. It's alright if I, I'm going to get real. I'm going to get down the nitty gritty. It's alright preacher. Sure that God. The Lord understands one service. Come on somebody. Hey I know where I'm at. I know who I'm preaching to. And I also know this. I made the same stuff you are. And there's Sunday mornings. Even the pastor don't want to go to church. You might as well say amen. That's exactly right. There's mornings in my boogers are caked up my eyes just like they are yours. And I've got a headache. And the dog got run over. And none of the kids slept good last night. And my suit's too wrinkled. And come on, somebody. And all it takes is one bad moment to stay home. And that's all the devil needs. If you've been in the house of God, you couldn't have been watching what you watched. Or talking to whoever that was. Or go wherever you went. Or think about whatever you thought about. That's all the devil needs. Needs friend, uh, that's all you need to give yourself a, 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 a blazed wide trail up full of destruction and decline uh, is one single moment. Uh, I'm telling you, a moment of self pleasure will always end with sin, uh, a moment of self gratification will always end in sin. And just like the old timer said, uh, uh, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Uh, 
It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will always cost you more than you've ever had to pay. Sin will do that to you. And even good men fall into sin. I told this story this morning. I probably won't go as in depth with it, but I feel like if you wasn't here this morning, you may need to hear this. This is a true story, Brother Shelby. I don't know the man personally, but I know the man that told me the story personally. He knows the man personally. Talking about a moment, just, just how one moment can tear things up. There was a young couple, early 20s or so, and they were both raised in church, saved at young ages, lived clean, pure lives. Never had been with nobody, slept around, nothing like that, partied, nothing. They were clean. They were clean on the inside and out. And apparently that old boy had some pretty bad influences as buddies. And true story goes on to say that uh, they were fixing to get married. And so some of his buddies wanted to throw him a bachelor party. And they did that. And uh, just a few minutes, it wasn't long, that there was a, a woman, a strange woman that had, they had invited to this bachelor party. She came out. I don't know if she was an entertainer or a prostitute. I don't know what she was, but she was a woman nonetheless that should not have been there. Well, I don't know exactly all the steps that were taken, but before the night was up, this innocent, pure young man fixing to be married to an innocent, pure young lady, has, he has a bad moment. He ends up sleeping with that lady. It's a true story. And they go on. Life goes on. He gets married. They say, I do. They kiss. They go on the honeymoon. She thinks that for the first time he has given up his purity to her and, 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 and he's under the same persuasion uh, that she has saved herself for him. And so they go on. Years go by, two or three years, and they get the, the greatest news that young married couples can get. They're expecting a child. And boy, they're, they're so thrilled. They're, they're beside themselves that God has blessed their marriage and given them a child and so the child began to grow in that womb and things began to, uh, to go as they should and checkups began to be more in depth and uh, somewhere along the lines in that pregnancy the doctors began to notice some things that were wrong in the, in the baby's eyes they weren't developing quite like they were supposed to and so they told mom and daddy there's a good chance that this baby can be born blind and they said well we're going to pray and seek the Lord and, and, and surely the Lord will allow our baby to have sight well nine months go by and mama uh, delivers the baby and sure enough that little innocent baby was born blind and, and they, 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 their, their hearts were broke and shattered that their little girl would not see the things that they see in this life and so they begin to run tests and research and try to find out what is there a cause for this blindness well sure enough the doctor comes back to them and he said, I, I want you all to sit down. I, I need to give you some news concerning the blindness of your little baby. And they said, okay, doc, what, what, what's the news? And he said, well, we, we've done some, some studying and some research and uh, some testing, whatever they do, and said, your baby is born blind, and, and, and here's the reason why. The blindness stems from one particular STD that produces blindness in offspring. Mama looked at the doctor and looked at her husband and big old tears running down her face said, well, doctor, I sure do appreciate y'all's time and effort to study uh, the, the, the condition of my baby girl, but doc, you've got this one wrong because I saved myself. I was pure and I, I never give myself to nobody before marriage. I, I didn't know why I had an STD and my husband did the same. He, he saved himself. He was pure and I, I was only, I'm the only woman he's ever knew and it's a true story. The story goes the old daddy had just buried his 
face in his hands and begin to weep and cry and right there had to confess well uh, honey I, I, I didn't tell you but I did I have a moment I, I had a time where I I, I, I give in to myself and uh, the pleasure and I, I, I did there's one there's one instance honey it was it was right before we got married I messed up and I shouldn't have been this is all my fault and somehow or another by the grace of God they worked through that brother Shelby they worked through it stayed together Four years go by. It's that time for that little girl's birthday. They have a big to-do, you know. Big birthday party. And all of her little friends from church and their friends from church, they're all there. And having a birthday party, and she'd open a gift. And she could feel as a baby doll, but she'd say, well, what, what's this baby doll look like? And Mom would say, well, honey, this one's beautiful. She's got a... She's got a head full of blonde hair and blue eyes and so on and so forth. What color is this stuffed animal and how, how does this thing look? And then so, uh, boy, they, they just went through all that and all the family and friends leave and little four-year-old girl goes into her daddy in the living room. She says, Daddy, I, I want to ask you something. She said, why did God make me blind? It's a true story. Daddy looked down at his little girl and said, Honey, the Lord... It's not his fault, it's, it's mine. You'll never see in this life because of me. It's what I've done. It's my fault. And I don't know the time that transpired, but before the day was ended, that daddy was so overwhelmed because of his moment. He went upstairs into the bathroom and took a gun, put it in his mouth, and he killed himself. Talk about a young man who lived his whole life clean. His whole life was clean. His whole life was pure. His whole life was lived for the Lord. Except for that one moment. It kind of reminds me of David. From the, from, the, from the scriptures, it looks like David's lived a pretty good, clean life. Until this moment. May I say, that's about all I said this morning. That That's all it takes is a is a moment and, and and all it takes is a time verse 1 said at that time verse 2 said in an evening time in other words one evening uh, just one simple moment and up to this moment David's lived a life that most of us would be highly impressed by but this moment this moment can I say there is great magnitude in a moment I want you to understand, and my heart is this going into this new year, not that we would set necessarily goals, long-term goals to achieve through this year, but it's my goal that you make your goal moment by moment. We can look and say, well, I'd like to be here by, 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 by summertime, but you've got decisions to make, listen to me, that are often very overlooked tomorrow morning. Help me somebody. We're going, to get to the, we're going to get to the meat of it tonight. But you've got decisions to make in the morning. You've got decisions to make tonight. Before you close your eyes, I want you to understand something. David lived a great life for God, and you may have lived a great life for God. You may have the blessing and the favor of God. You, too, may know what it's like to come through battles in victory with a flag of a victory flying overhead. But my friend, you, too, can be spent. You can be squashed. You can be saddened and Sorrowful the rest of your days over one moment, one bad moment. We're headed into a brand new year. You realize you can have 364 good days. Is everybody okay? 
It just takes one bad one. One bad moment. What is magnitude? What does this word mean? Magnitude is defined like this. It simply means it's the greatness of influence, importance, or effect. In other words, the magnitude of, of, of a moment, the influence of one moment, how one moment can influence your life, the importance of one moment, how important single moments are in your life, and then the effect, how one single moment can affect your whole life. That's what magnitude means, the magnitude of a moment. May I say you could have done it all right all the way to this chapter in your life. What you do with your moments in 2023, what you do with your moments tonight could influence the rest of your days. And I say it's all it took for David, a man after God's own heart. It was just one time that he obeyed his flesh instead of his father. Is everybody listening? Every time God said go, he was the first one to saddle up. Except for this time. One bad moment. The Lord help us, I want to look at this. I want to wade through our text. I want to preach both thoroughly and sincerely on this very simple but pro what I believe to be a very profound truth. And I want to preach on the magnitude of a moment. If you're taking notes, write this down. First of all, I want you to see how this moment started. This moment started, number one, with a moment of exhaustion. You all know how you're going to find yourself messing up in a moment? When you get tired. Look in verse 1. I'm going to show you. And it came to pass after the year was expired. Does everybody see that? In other words, 2022 had passed. And it's 2023. It came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. That David sent Joab. Would you give me just a little bit on this? My, my voice is having issues. It came to pass after the years expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Can I say this is very important to note that not only does David send people in his stead to do his job and to fight his battle, it's the time that kings go forth to battle. It was not Joab's responsibility, even though Joab would have went with his king. His king was to be in the front of the pack, not Joab. But I personally believe we can see this in Scripture. What does David do? What's the first thing David does when they leave to go to battle? The Bible says at the bottom part of the verse, but David tarried still. In other words, he didn't feel like moving. In other words, he's exhausted. In other words, he's real tired because he's been busy doing what he was supposed to do. I don't have time to read all this, but let's just read a few verses. Look, look in uh, verse 10 of chapter 7. Or verse 9, or we'll find it here somewhere. Verse, verse 17, let's just cut, cut to the chase. Second uh, Samuel 10, 17. When it was told David, he gathered all Israel together, passed over Jordan, 
And it came to Helam, and the Syrians set themselves in array against David and fought with him. And the Syrians fled before Israel, and David slew the men of 700 chariots of the Syrians and 40,000 horsemen, and smote Shobah, the captain of their host, who died there. And when all the kings that were servants to Hadarezer saw that they were smitten before Israel, they made peace with Israel, serving. So the Syrians feared to help the children of Israel, uh, of Ammon, excuse me, anymore. Right, just right here. Now if you go back to 1 Samuel 16 you'll find Goliath, you'll find a dozen other battles but just one battle before, did y'all see how many people David had had, had to fight and kill? Yeah. 700 chariots of Syrians. I'm telling how many total men that were. That was. 40,000 horsemen and smoke their captain. I mean a host of Thousands upon thousands. This is just one battle. And there's a dozen before it. You know what happens? Chapter 11 comes. It's time for kings to go forth to battle. You know what I believe? What I think about David? David didn't have to be at all those other battles. He wanted to be. Are you listening? I'm telling you, David's a good Christian man. He wanted to be because he loved Israel. That's why just as a little lion, Brother Seth, when he heard Goliath cussing God, he said, hey, who is that uncircumcised Philistine? And he said, oh, you don't want none of him. He said, hey, I don't know about y'all, but I'm, God's helped me so kill a lion and a bear. And he said, I'll be darned if I let that big thing defy the armies of the living God. Give me a rock, somebody. I'm fixing to kill that joker. That was David. You didn't have to beg him to be at church. You don't have to beg him to show up prayer meeting. He wanted to be there. But guess what? Guess what happens with people that are doing the right thing with the right motives? Over time, you will get tired. How did David end up in the situation he did in 2 Samuel chapter number 11? Because this moment started off with a moment of exhaustion. David has just literally slew thousands upon thousands of men in battle. And I believe he probably had this frame of mind. Surely to God, it would be all right to set this one out. I mean, Lord, I know it's the scheduled time for me to go, but I've been gone to battle. I mean, after all, surely I've done enough prior to this to earn just a moment of exhaustion and to find some kind of rest. Isn't that right? No, that's wrong. Are you listening? It's the stuff that's going to carry you this year. You remember last year when I told you what I'm preaching we're going to need this year? That scares me to death, but I believe it. What I'm preaching right I'm telling you, those moments where you mess your whole life up will sneak up on you in times of exhaustion. David is at his wit's end. He has fought and fought and fought. And now he's tired of fighting. And all he wanted to do was just sit still for a minute. Lord, I just killed 100,000 people. I know it's the time, but I've got Joab. He's a good second man. Hey, listen to me. God didn't ask Joab to go. He needed David to go. And I say just because you have been obedient, faithful, successful, loyal in your past does not mean that we have the opportunity. Uh, that does not mean that you have uh, you have been granted permission to take the day off. Listen, listen to me somebody. This war never stops. Uh, the devil's always seeking whom he may devour. He's always a thief in the night. He's always looking to steal, kill, and destroy you just because David 
was exhausted did not mean that the war was put on hold or halt. And the same goes for you and me. You'll mess up in a moment when you get tired. If you're not careful. Why is that? Well, it's these moments of exhaustion that you let your guard down. Hello? When David's out on the battlefield, he's constantly checking his back. He's always looking around, seeing where the, where the next enemy might be. But now he's to a place that he's comfortable. Is everybody okay? Yeah, man. He's tearing steel at home. He's, whew, I can let my guard down. You better be very careful. Can I tell you some of the biggest battles I've ever fought with the devil have not been out there in that world. They've not been in the war zone. They've been in the privacy of my own personal life. That's some of the biggest ones you'll find. When you're in your comfort zone and you know what you're quick to do? Listen to me. Let your guard down. I'm so tired. I fought hell all year, half the year. I fought half the year of 2022. I have fought hell for me and y'all. Lord, surely. I know, I know. First day of 2023, I'm supposed to get up and go to war and go to battle in that pulpit and smack the devil and tick him off and get him reared up again. I know I'm supposed to, but God, I'm, I am really tired. I'm exhausted. Can I just sit still just this one Sunday? Oh, I can. But the devil's not going to, he's not going to take a day off. Y'all understand what I'm saying tonight? Yes, sir. Can I say it's not? It's not, uh, it's not an opportunity to let someone else fulfill your responsibilities. Come on, somebody. I, I'm, talking, I'm talking about, well, I mean, I know I was, I was doing this and that at the church, but that, they'll find somebody else. We don't want nobody else. If you, hey, if God's allowed you to do something, that's who I want doing it. I'm sick of having to try to hunt somebody down and take care of things that so-and-so used to take care of. Man, your pile, set in your place, do your job. Don't let exhaustion make you lose in just a single moment. Can I say this? Before you know it, that one moment of vulnerability becomes a fatality. When you're vulnerable, you know what the devil sees? Easy target. That's an easy kill. And I say it's a whole lot better. It's a whole lot easier to kill a man that's just barely dragging through the through the field and limping, can't hardly walk as it is that one who ain't tired yet. Just got out there. He ain't had no wounds. He's fresh and he's blazing across that field. They're not going to try to shoot him. They're going to shoot the one that's just barely making it. How many of y'all feel like you closed the year out just barely? Oh, Lord, I can't. Lord, please help 2023 be better. I'm so tired. If you're not careful, you'll get so tired that you just say, I can't fight no more. When you do that, the devil sees an opportunity. You've given him a moment. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about Seeking whom he may devour. That's why the Bible says in James to submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And I say this evening you have more than one, just one enemy. We know the devil's our enemy. I've already made that clear. But you know who's a bigger enemy to you than the devil? And some of y'all ain't going to believe this. You are a bigger enemy to you than the devil is. 
Everybody wants to quote Ephesians 4. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Everybody wants to quote that. But may I say they all fail to read above and below that verse about how you will give place to the devil. Y'all listening? Giving place to the devil starts with giving place to self. That's where it starts. It starts with giving place to your flesh, giving place to your old man. It starts when you take a moment to satisfy yourself. That's when you open the door for Satan. Listen, to magnify that moment into a spiritual murder scene. Listen, the devil would have never had this moment had David not tarried still. Does everybody understand that? I want, you to, I want you to run and look with me. Hold your place there in 2 Samuel. We're going to ease through this, this, this text and this sermon series. I'm not going to get in no hurry. We may be here the whole month of January. yet. I really don't care. I've got something from the Lord to say. I want you to look in Ephesians 4 real quickly. Then we're going to read some other stuff in Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6. I'm just going to get down to where we are, what Paul's writing to this church at Ephesus. Ephesians 4. I want just I want us to read. Let's just start verse verse one. Paul's writing to this church at Ephesus. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. I can stop right there and, and apply that to our to our thought. But he goes on to say how to do that, how to walk worthy. How, how can you be worthy of the vocation wherewith you have been called? He says this, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing. If you wasn't here at five, you missed that. Forbearing one another in love. Yeah. Can I say that some of y'all, if you're not careful, will let somebody else that's just doing something or said something that's just got under your skin, maybe they were in the wrong. But if you allow that to consume you, you have opened the door to give place to the devil. You're commanded to forbear them, put up with them, and love them. You don't have to even like everything about them. Verse, verse, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Why do we do that? Why is that important for our church right there? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, gave gifts to men. Now he that now that he ascended, what did it, uh, what is it? But that he also descended first to the lower parts of the earth. He descended is the same also that ascended up far above uh, all heavens, that he might fulfill. All things. Look here. Now this is for the church. This is what Paul is dealing with. He said and he gave some apostles and prophets and uh, evangelists, some pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Why does God have men and uh, positions and offices to fill? For the body of Christ, to perfect the saints. For the, edif for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 12. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That does not mean without spot or blemish. That means complete. That means mature. That means seasoned. And, and that means to come together, if you will, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, 
carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slave of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Why is it important to keep your guard up? Why is it important not to be a part of this world? Why is it important not just to keep yourself from a moment, but the Bible's given us an order, a command right here. Uh, he says in verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over into mischievousness to work all in cleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. He said, you didn't get those attributes from Jesus. You ain't going to learn those things from Jesus. Verse 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is correct according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth to his neighbor, for we are uh, members of, of one another. Be angry, sin not. Let the sun go down, uh, go down, let, the, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Then, it says, neither give place to the devil. Now, how do we do that? Well, it's pretty obvious to me. We've got a choice in the matter. He's given us a bunch of do's and a bunch of do nots. And right after the do nots, he says, neither give place. In other words, a continuation. These things give place to the devil. You know what happens in the life of David here? He quits walking in the spirit and starts fulfilling the lust and the desires of his flesh. And I say tonight that all it takes, when you take a moment to satisfy self, you have opened the door for Satan to take your one single insignificant small little moment in your mind and create a murder scene. Look in... Uh, Look in chapter 5. How, how are we going to win this war? How do we overcome self? How do we keep this moment? We're tired. Can I say the first thing any of us want to do when we become tired is fulfill what our self needs, and that is rest. Are y'all still in the building tonight? Come on now. I, I'm trying to help you because 2023 is going to be full of, of, of situations and moments that if you're not prepared for those moments... You may be the very next one snatched up. Right. You may be the next one out of church. You may be the next one in divorce court. God forbid you may be the next one in a graveyard. If you don't evaluate your moments. Look at verse 1 of chapter 5 in Ephesians. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us. And offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness or foolish talking or jesting which are not convenient. But rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is 
is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And be not, and be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whosoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled uh, with the Spirit, speaking yourselves, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things, for unto, unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. So all men love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord as the Lord the church for we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones for this cause shall a man leave his father mother shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church nevertheless let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband children obey your parents I need a help right there in the Lord, for this is right, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live alone on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them, that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good uh, will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. I need some help right there. Do what you do for God, not men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free, and your masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because it says for for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace and above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts 
of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer, supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance, supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak but that you also may know my affairs how I do I'm a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father the Lord Jesus Christ grace be with them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity amen pretty good message come on somebody yep we just read two chapters just like that amen how are we going to resist giving in to our flesh I just read it about 25 mile an hour that's how we're going to do it if you need to read you didn't get none of that guess what good news it'll still be there when you leave go back and read it Moments. Why did he have this moment? Uh, I ain't got time to move on. So I'm not going to. This moment started with a moment of exhaustion. Brother Chris, come to him. I want to ask you tonight. This past year in 2022, when you were tired, you had had all you could take. Is everybody listening? We're almost done. You can play. I know before I ask what some of y'all did. When the, when the war, when it was your time, you were up the back. You've been fighting, seeing like fighting every day of crawling out of hell all year. You fought and fought and fought, but then you know without a shadow of a doubt there was a battle just for you. It was your battle. I wonder how many of us went to Ephesians 6 and suited up and marched back out on the battlefield even though you were dragging it. That's how I'm feeling right now. I'm be honest, I'm tired. I really am. I can't lie to you. You know, I had to take a break just to just this past month just to get fed. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm tired. Going into 2023. Miss Leanne, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm, I'm tired. Okay? I'm, I'm tired. It's been a hard year of ministry. It's been a hard year of family. It's been a hard, it's been a hard year of memory. It's been a hard year. The end of it. I ain't got no complaints. I ain't getting soft stories. It's been hard. Right. And I'm tired. But I wonder what would happen to this church. Because I'm going to be honest. I know y'all sitting here in this. I thought about it. I wonder what would happen if I said, you know what? You know all I can do. I've got a Joab. He ain't here tonight. But I got a Joab. He ain't Josh. Yeah. Amen. But he's God's man. Right. He, he may preach a lot different than me. His style may be different. He may be a little more extreme and a little more high, high strung. But he knows that book. 
He's God's man. Yes, sir. I've got a Joab. Oh, but during those weeks, when my Joab was up, just give me just a moment of relief. I was in 2 Samuel chapter 11. God said, thank the Lord for Joab and his servants. But this is your battle to fight. It's mine. He did a fine job. But it's not his battle. It's mine. I won't quit a lot of times because I just can't what God showed me in moments of exhaustion are really not the time to sit still. Because that's when David said about Sheba. If he would have been fighting, he'd have never seen her. He'd have been where he was supposed to be at. If he'd have been out there slinging his sword, he would have never seen that woman naked. But he let exhaustion just take a, take a break. I'm exhausted, Lord. I've been fighting for eight years. Some of y'all, I've been fighting for 30 years. Surely, Lord, I can just rest a moment. You can if it's your time to go to battle. Because here's what happens. You give in to your flesh. You're tired. You just fulfill what you want to do because you're just physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally exhausted. The next thing you know, because I read Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 for a real five, five for a reason, and 6. To show you what giving in yourself does, it opens the door. Everybody can say, oh, we devil can't have but what we give him, but we give him a lot. <laughs> we, 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 listen, just because your house ain't on fire and your kid's not on heroin don't mean that you not give place to him. Listen, Mom and Daddy, if you're sick of the devil having his way in your house, it's time to go to war. I need some help tonight. It's time to suit up. I know you're tired. I know you want to quit. I know you think it's over, but it's not time to sit still. Stand up. Put on the whole armor of God and swing your sword one more time. Amen. Because the devil has a deep for you moment of exhaustion. Yes. Sir, ma'am, don't you think there's not a bad sheep out there waiting on you when you're kicked back and say, Lord, I've been faithful. I just can't no more. I'm tired. It's okay. That's all the devil needs. Just one moment. You just sit back when you're supposed to be fighting. Listen to me. <laughs> There's a lot worth fighting for. Hey, I'm, I'm fighting for my babies tonight, but I'm going to tell you something. Those are not the only faces I see when I close my eyes at night. Right. I see that one. She know it's going to be a little innocent Kyra, little sweet little thing. She's going to be faced with some hard battles. Right. And already has been. To be so young. She needs a preacher who just keeps waiting. That's right. <laughs> Because as soon as I stop, the devil just needs a moment. Little eye. So every time I close my eyes, that big old head of yours pops up. 
here in this place. This place needs you. Keep going back. Go chef. You've got to keep back. I know you're tired. See guys. I've just been out for several weeks.
go back to hell where you come from. Amen. Amen. Modern day, God's giving you his opportunity. Don't you want to fight? Don't quit. You're not wasting your time. No. You're not wasting your prayers. Come to church, Brother Sean. That's all you that's all you do. Just lead your family in here and put them on the feet. Yeah. Glory to God. Yes, brother. sir. Hey. Amen. Glory to God, brother, that you just lead them in here and sit them in a pew and say, look, I, 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 I know everything. Hey, don't think about it. I mean, we got our own pond, but let's start. Come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. We're going to the house of God. You'll put something in there that'll never leave them. 